Welcome to Bleeding Blue, the show brought to you by the unrealistic fan himself, me, your host, Matthew Lyle. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on today's show. We're going to talk recap of Kentucky, Georgia. We're going to hand hand out my grades for the players, and we're going to check the temperature. We're going to see what's on the on the over horizon, sorry, we're going to check on the horizon of the rest of the season. So like I said, thank you for joining me. It's Matthew Lyle. We just got done enjoying a great game. Kentucky, Georgia, 89-79, if I'm not mistaken, was the final score. Let me double check that real quick. I'm pretty sure that was the score. Um, anyway, we'll just go with it. 89-79, I believe so. Kentucky, let's start with the good. Kentucky came out, game started. I thought the energy of everyone on the court was spectacular. I felt that everybody wanted it. You know, Hagen's obviously has really been developing, but I felt like that was just a continuation of everybody continuing to develop. You know, I look around, everybody was kind of playing well. The only person who really didn't get to go well, and I'll touch on this quite a bit more later, is Khalil Whitney. I felt, you know, the announcers said several times that Cal was letting the, the kids make the play, make, let Hagens make the calls, let Hagens run the offense kind of through him. You know what he does on the defensive end. So I thought that was kind of a cool move by Cal, which Cal kind of reminded me of somebody that after the Arkansas game, his doctor told him that he needed to calm down, that his doctor said, hey, if you keep this up, you're going to die. You know, I, obviously, I, don't, I hope Cal's fine. I don't think that's what it was. But it just kind of reminds you of somebody like he was – he was sitting a little bit more. You know, he had his shoes on, and I know they're doing that for a special cause, but he was just sitting there more. He was smiling a little bit more. And the game felt very – I think it flowed a lot better. The refs didn't really get involved. And it felt like every time we would get up 10, yes, we would give the lead up, but it just – we would be right there seven-point lead again. So we come out. Everybody, I felt, was really on, on point, grabbing rebounds. They wanted it. Smart shot selection. We were scoring. Then, you know, I hear people say that, you know, we, we struggle to put a team out. You know, we'll struggle to, to finish a team off, which it's tough to finish a team off. It's really tough to finish a team off in the first half. You know, you look around. College basketball is evolving. It's changing. And when you play a team like a Georgia, like a Evansville, like a Vanderbilt, like some of these teams that really aren't contenders, they have nothing to lose when they play Kentucky. So and when you play a team that has nothing to lose, they're dangerous. And, and not even the old adage, you know, they're, they're going to come out here and play. Just when they come out here shooting 20, 30 threes, and I, I don't know how many actually threes that Georgia shot, but when they come out shooting those wild threes – it really sets the tone because now you have to defend them. And yes, you may not want to defend them to the point you get blown by, but you have to acknowledge that they'll pull up from almost four-point land if there if there was one, you know, right? Like they pull up from way downtown and either they go in or a lot of times they have these crazy ricochets that lead to offensive rebounds. They lead to getting the basket underneath the goal. And, and you just find yourself out of position. So, and I thought that's really what Georgia did early. Georgia was heaving shots. And a lot of times they were getting, you know, the, the, the 
shot would ricochet back to a guy somewhere down around the paint, and then he was able to put it in. He was able to, to have a you know nice putback. And then I also felt we kind of fell asleep at the wheel. And when that occurred, I thought we were playing with too much energy. It looked like we were playing with energy, but not the effort, if that makes sense. You know, a lot of baskets came when we were just flying around. There was a lot of times that Georgia was getting ready to put the, you know, they had the ball down in the paint, and guys were just flying past him. You know, Richards was flying by, Montgomery was flying by, Brooke, and we got, we got, we got some good blocks on him. Richards was swatting him around like as a volleyball. Like he was his girlfriend, his volleyball player. Montgomery was making some great plays. Uh, Brooks was making some plays. I think Quickly even got a block. But we were flying around so much that a pump fake led to a nice easy putback for Georgia, which allowed them to kind of hush the crowd. We go into halftime. We're able to manage. We go into halftime. Edwards has zero points, which is kind of what we wanted. But the scary part was he had zero points, and I believe it was like a six- or eight-point game. It was still a close game. And we come out of the second half horrible. That third, that, that one minute, two minutes, whatever it was, couldn't have gone worse. Edwards did what I thought he would and got hot, but not too hot, not too bad, didn't scorch. And I felt like, you know, I think Edwards, not to get on, on onto Georgia's side, but I think Edwards is going to be a great pro. I think he's more than a project that what some of the announcers were talking. I think he's going to be a great pro. I think he's going to be a Dwayne Wade type player. Now, whether or not he has that kind of career, I think he's going to be a great pro. The problem is that doesn't always transition to college because in college it is more of a team game. It is more of a team flow. And when you saw Edwards get going, it almost took him doing things that got his team out of it. It took him really taking over. And a lot of times college kids, maybe, I just feel like college kids aren't used to standing back. I feel like in the pros, if you got a Kobe Bryant, if you got a uh, D. Wade, if you had a type of player that could take a game over with his scoring, a Carmelo Anthony, as, as a pro, you found a way to still contribute. You, stand, you found a way to keep yourself motivated. Maybe it's an 82-game season, so you can take some nights off and you can, you know, different guys can step up. Because you see an NBA game, you know, guys you've never heard of will have put up 30 points. But I feel like in college, you can't do that. You always it's it's cons, college is constantly building. You had a great game last week. Now you take what you learn and you do this week and you do next week and it just builds so forth. I don't feel like that's how Edwards works because I feel like Edwards has to just say get out of my way, watch what I can do. And sometimes those I think the other kids just kind of dial out, and that's what happened. Edwards came on fire. Some of the other points, some of the other players who was trying to take all the shots and get warmed up really didn't continue to do that. Anyway, Kentucky ends up pulling out, gets a 10-point win. Good, I was good with it down the stretch. Like I said, overall, excited to see. I feel like we are playing tough as anyone in the country. That Ignore the 15. That's just the rigmarole that they have to go through with, um, with college rankings where, hey, you lost. I have to drop you. Kentucky's playing well. Some other teams playing well, too. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're the only team. But when you go to March, you want three guards. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of the best thing to have. We got the three guards. We got the big. We got, got to keep Richards going. 
we'll talk about this more when I'm handing out my grades. Brooks looks like he's ready to start taking over that four-man. Montgomery says he's not quite ready to give up that starting spot. You got Sestina. You know what he can do. I don't know about Whitney. I'm still not giving up on him. But I feel like they're really fighting for this six and seven spot. I kind of talked about it a little bit on last night's show. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what comes of it. Talk a little bit else about college basketball. I think I think the obvious thing, aside from on the national standpoint, is what happened Kansas versus Kansas State. From my understanding of it, it was a block. Game was out of hand. Somebody flexed. Punches got thrown. Chaos. I'm not even going to talk about from the perception of your team point of view. I want to talk about if you're a fan of that team. If you're a fan of Kansas, you got to be worried. Because I don't know who was involved. The only player I really know in Kansas is Azabuki, and I don't think he was involved. But still, you you can't. The guy who threw the chair, I think he's a pretty big role player, or he's a pretty big player in in the team. Number 22, that could have some implications. Kansas right now playing really one of the more consistent teams. Think right now had them ranked three in the country. Not a good look. Got to be scared if you're a Kansas fan. Now you got Tennessee coming in. You're definitely going to be without some players then. I'm not sure whose ball gets to make that decision. Is that the NCAA? Is that the Big 12? Yeah, be interested to see. Anyway, Kansas, huge, huge crazy fight. Some other teams in the country playing pretty good. I believe Duke looked like they was back on, back on track. Tonight, like I said, I thought we played well. I love the energy. My only fear, and I guess maybe this is a fear, maybe this is, is a right fear to have, is are we peaking too soon? Because I love when Cal is quote-unquote the swaggy Cal. You know, he's over there. Yeah, he yelled a little bit. That's what he does. But he was on the sideline. He was laughing, guys, patting him up on the back. That's typically what he does once he's trust you. Once he's put all his faith in you, that's typically what he starts to do. That's, it's just January. I don't hate me for this. actually don't care. But honest opinion, I'm okay with a couple more losses. Now, I want them to be, I want them to be road losses. And I don't want them, I don't want them to be rank losses. But I, I want them to be on the road. And I want them to be to mid-tier teams. Like, for example, Texas Tech. That'd be a good, good keep your eye on the prize. LSU. I want to win at Auburn. I want to beat Florida. I want to beat Tennessee. But I'd be okay dropping a couple more. I'd be okay uh, trying to fight off a sneeze. I'll be completely honest with you. I, I do not know where the sneeze is going or coming. <coughs> I'll be okay with a couple more losses. I'll... I, I know people don't want to hear that, and yes, it may take us off that one line. Don't think it matters this year. I think what we need to do is keep our guys focused, need to keep our head in the game, need to stay ready. I think that's what we need. I'm afraid we'll get too hot. Like, quickly, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute maybe. I I was okay with him kind of struggling these last couple games. I thought him going 10 for 11, 11 for 12, 12 for 13, 
was a little scary to have happen so early. That's what I want in March. I want that run in March. I want that Juzang run in March. I want, I want that, I want that Whitney game where he puts up twenty points and ten rebounds, Elite Eight. That's what I want. That. We're gonna take our first break. When we come back, I'm gonna hand out grades. I'm gonna hand out report card. It's, and I'm not a hard grader, especially when we win. I like to, I like to hand out the, the curve well, but when we come back. On Bleeding Blue, your unrealistic fan, Matthew Lau, hands out the grades. We'll be back. And we're back to Bleeding Blue. It's your host, Matthew Lyle, recapping the Kentucky-Georgia game. In this segment, we're going to hand out the grades. Yes, I'm not a strict grader, especially after a nice win, especially after a conference win, especially after an effort, a game where we put the effort out in which we did. So, hey, I'm going to be pretty lenient when it comes to these grades. Can't be mad. Yes, we didn't play perfect. Yes, we struggled at times. We're going to start with our floor general, point guard, Ashton Hagens. Got to give my man an A. Maybe an A-. minus. I'll give him an A minus just because I think he's at this point. He's the leader. You got to hold him to a little higher standard, but he brings it. Offensively, he had the mid range. He, he started developing mid range, could get to the basket when he wanted. I think maybe he had a three. I don't remember if he had a three or not. He did, he did air ball one shot, but I felt like he tried to get too cute. Dropped a kid trying to do hit the crossover. Defensively, does what he does. Couple steals. On the one steal, the one steal, the guy was bringing the, the ball on the court. You could see him lurking. I don't know why the team didn't communicate. I didn't know why Georgia didn't say, hey, dude, the best defender on their team, swiper no swiping, the kid, you know, the little fox off Dora was coming at you. He knocks it out of his hand, turns away into breakaway points for Kentucky. Ashton Hagens thought he played really well. I know people are hard on him. I know he does turn the ball over a lot, but that man is, and I wish they would quit bringing it up. They bring up how important, how intricate to our team he is, and that, oh, they definitely can't afford to lose him due to injury. Uh, let's pump the brake. At first, he said we can't. They said we can't use, can't afford to lose him to foul trouble, and I got that. You know, I get that because he, I think he fouled out one game and has been in the last, the last two games he's had foul trouble, South Carolina and Arkansas. But don't be bringing up the injury mojo. Come on, guys, we're better than that. But overall, played really well. He's missing some free throws. I don't know if it's that's just part of him. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a lights-out shooter. I think, you know, he could be a great guard that can get to the basket, lockdown defender, even with the NBA's touch. I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, a, an elite shooter. And, I mean, he has plenty to make up for. So I think that kind of shows in his free throws a little bit. Ever since, you know, as a team even, ever since they've really started hyping up, maybe this is just a part of it. It just kind of scares me as we start to go downhill. Ever since they started talking about us being the top free throw shooting team in the country and doing all this, ever since that Louisville game, we've had some misses in conference play. I, I hope it's just a rough spot. Hope we're able to buff that out. I don't... I, you know, you look at some of our losses. How many free throws we missed? UConn, 2014, missed a lot. 2011, missed a lot. Kansas State missed, I think P.J. Washington went 
horrendous from the free throw line. Auburn missed some free throw line, free throws down the stretch. I just I hope that this is just an anomaly. This is just a rough spot for some of our guys who've been shooting a lot of threes. Hope this isn't something to concern, but I'm not gonna bring this down. Tyrese Maxey, I'm gonna give the kid a B. Solid B. I think I say this every time, and I can't say this enough. The kid plays like just a case of ADHD. He when when the game's young, when the game's fresh, when it's not really much on the line, he does a lot. He runs around, he throws the ball up, he shoots crazy threes. But when the game is on the line, it's when you see the best him. I, he's he's easily one of the top five players in the country. You know, you look around the draft, you got Anthony Edwards and all that. A lot of, you know, Wiseman's not in the college anymore. RJ Hampton went overseas. LaMelo Ball's overseas. So you look at some of the top players in the country, Tyrese Maxey's right there. And it, so he's, to me, he's one of the top players in college basketball right now. So, you know, he, I did feel like he was a little lackadaisical, had a couple turnovers, didn't really play too inspiring. I think at halftime he was had zero field goals, a couple free throws. Made some nice plays. N- made some mature plays. Not necessarily like heads up, but almost just he's so much better than everybody else when it comes to being talented. Because there was one play, they were pressing him hardcore, and I thought he was getting reckless with the ball, but he kept, you know, he kept that thing in control, and he was able to dump it off to, actually it was a lob, to Nick Richards, for a nice dunk to really just kind of continue to put the game away and really got the crowd on their feet because it was a great play. But overall, I felt like he could have gave us something more, but I felt like so many people stepped up and continued to mature and and continued to take that proper step forward. I kind of feel like you didn't even really need him to to play great. You didn't really need him to give you that A-plus game. Uh, let me look. I'm going to look real quick here. I'm trying to see exactly... What uh, what his stats were? I mean, because like I said, I feel like he came on hot there at the end. So we're looking here. Uh, Hagen's finished the game. Whoa, maybe I should give him. I should give him an A plus. See, when I first started working on these grades, I, it was kind of a, just a rapid reaction. Didn't really think much into it. Finished with twenty three points. Got at twenty three points, nine assists, five rebounds. Okay, yes, that's it. I'm giving that an A plus. Don't care that he's a Floyd General, floor general, A plus right there. Maxi played 31 minutes, seven points, three assists, five rebounds. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that B. Bump it down to a B minus. Maybe if you have high expectations for Maxi, I'm okay with. It. Maybe it's masked by rising tide raises raises all boats or, or whatever the saying is. Because, you know, everybody else, you know, really stepped up. We didn't need him. Nick Richards, A+. The man just keeps on improving. And and maybe just because by the time we get to the point where we're used to this, the season will be over and he might be in the pros, 20 points, 8 rebounds, that seems like a normal night now. Maybe not the, always the 20 points, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 20 points, 8 rebounds. That's starting to sound real consistent. That's starting to sound like you almost expect it. 
but I think we've had so many concerning games where he just kind of looks out of it. And he hasn't really changed. Like, he still looks the same. He doesn't, like, he's not extremely, like, he doesn't boast. He doesn't jump up and down. He hasn't, like, added tons of weight. I'm sure he's gotten in better shape as he's matured. But he's not, like, a beast Hulk now. So you still look at him and you're like, is this the same Richard? I feel like this is the same Nick Richards. But then you watch him play and he's not. You watch him play and he's under control. He's not fumbling the ball. It, you know, it's it's easy to be hard on these guys, especially when they come in as five stars. But you're looking at center. You're looking at a kid that was, he didn't start playing until he was 15. I know you've heard that before. But let that sink in. He didn't start playing until he was 15. And by that point, by 15, 16, he was probably bigger than everybody else and didn't really have to be better than everybody else. When you threw the ball up to him, I doubt there was anybody that was even in the same vicinity to get the ball. Now he goes to college, he goes to Kentucky, where everybody's watching, where he's on ESPN, where there's game tape, where when everybody steps on the court, they want your best, and you get you get called the best because you got that shirt on. You got that Kentucky jersey on. People say, hey, you're the best. I'm going to give it to you the, the hardest I can. So you're getting this six foot nine, six foot ten grown man bullying a, a freshman, bullying a sophomore. It finally looks like it's starting to come in, into his own. I hope it stays because we're going to need that to stay. If he can continue to do that, I don't know how many big men are in the country, especially since Wiseman's out. You got Kerry and Duke. That'll be interested. You got the kid in Washington, but I don't know. I'm not sure where you might see Washington. Not many bigs out there that would really make you the way Nick Richards has been playing. I do hope, I am excited for that Florida game because I do want to see him against an actual big when it's not March Madness. Let's see how he does against Kerry Blackshear. I know Kerry Blackshear's kind of struggled, but I think, you know, I, I think you would, especially coming into the country, uh, coming into the season, a lot of people think he would be better than Nick Richards. I don't know about now. I know Nick Richards probably play, you know, looks more impressive. So let's see. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that works. See somebody who kind of bodies him all game. Even if he, even if he's not head and shoulders better, just kind of physical, being being rough with him. EJ Montgomery, look, maybe this is a grading on a curve. A plus 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 plus. It's not about numbers. Played 19 minutes, 10 points, six rebounds in 19 minutes. Okay, I'll take that because that's how that that's how you win a title. If that's your 19 minute man, if that's by by clock time, that's your sixth man. Eh, it might be fifth man, but you know, that's 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 what you need. And I think it's not so much about numbers as it is effort. The fact that when he went up for that rebound, and and the 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 broadcaster talked about it, it was the dirty plays. It was the it was not dirty. It was the gritty plays. It was him going up for a rebound, him being bigger. Trying to be bigger, trying to grab that board, trying to body the guy, taking the hit, taking the, the the slap in the face, and not giving up, hitting a couple of jumpers, being aggressive when he rolled off the screen. Look, I don't want to take a shot at Louisville, but I watched that that Louisville Duke game. That's an impressive win for Louisville. Jordan Nora, he stood in that same corner that uh, EJ Montgomery did and did not move. He did not want the ball. And this was when the game was closed. Like, Duke had come back. It was time to put him away. Jordan Ora didn't want it. Jordan Ora's 
supposed to be player of the country or best player of the year or whatever. I'm not saying EJ Montgomery's that. I'm not saying EJ Montgomery's better than him. But EJ Montgomery went for it. He wanted it. He wanted that shot. Now, he wasn't on camera. There's a lot of difference. But I liked seeing it. There was a lot in the effort that made me happy. Um, I, I hope he just continues to grow. I hope Cal continues. You know, Cal seemed des- you know, determined to play the nine guys. And we'll get into some of these guys who didn't get as much minutes. And I think that could have easily been Montgomery. Montgomery could have easily found himself playing eight minutes if it wasn't for starting the game with three rebounds and then following up with an offensive rebound and a great putback all before the first media timeout. That set the tone, and I think that got Cal, who, Cal, like I said, Cal seemed calmer, seemed in a better mood. That got, I'm sorry, that got Montgomery the longer leash. I truly believe it. All right, we're going quickly. We're moving on to uh, Emmanuel quickly. I got to give, uh, see, look, I, I feel like it's a B. I feel like it's a B minus because, but I feel like that was just him Having an off game. Not really anything indicative of him, per se. Just an off game. You know, he, he did play 36 minutes, which you kind of got to have him on the court for. You know, just even if he's not hitting him, just having him on the court. Jill got 12 points. Double-digit points. Can't be mad at that. Two assists, four rebounds. Nice little line. Did play the most minutes tied with Nick Richards. And I think that's just more for... What he could do. You got to respect his game. And one thing I really like, this isn't really so much for talking about quickly, but just because he was on the court with him. Cal gave you a lineup where it was Maxi. So your floor general was a freshman who can be sporadic. Quickly, who you kind of keep that out there as your glue guy. Juzang, who you still don't know what you're getting with him. Brooks, who's developing. And then Sestina. Like, that was a very trusting lineup. I like that. I, talk, I talked about this on the last show. Give the guys four minutes of just time. Just give them four minutes and see what happens. At the very least, yes, they might make mistakes, but you're going to get... Now, I said you're going to get development. You're going to get growth. Now, it may not happen overnight, but it's just going to be a, a progress. Now, I mentioned the other night that they should do it going into halftime because you have the halftime to reel in. You have the halftime to to get your mind right if they come out there and struggle. But I feel like 10-point lead versus Georgia or 8-point lead, whatever it was, was a was a proper time to give that a try. But quickly, I feel like the fact that you have quickly, even when he's not performing, he's a ball handler that can, that can get you out of trouble. He's going to make a pretty heads-up play. He's going to make a smart play. You can't leave him open for threes. If you foul him, he's going to knock down a free throw, which he's missed one in every game ever since they started talking about the eye-close thing. I don't think he even does the eye-close thing. I think he got rid of that. I think he realized, hey, uh, it seems a little extra. Now, I, I, I liked it. I'm here for it. But I feel like if I, I wouldn't remember to do it in a big game. I would just want the ball, especially if I knew they were watching for that. The Louisville game, I get it. You know, Huge stress. Especially for him that season. But after the first couple games and people still talking about it, I mean, we scored 48 points in the second half. That's that's what I like to see. They Now, we gave up 44, so we got to be careful with that. But I like that we can run with it. 
and talk about real quick for a second for for people who are flustered that we don't put teams away. I'm torn on it. I'm torn. I, I, I think it could bite us in the butt like it did in South Carolina. I, I, I don't want that to happen in March. But you got to remember the games in March, even the second round games, the Sweet 16 games, even as a one seed, if you're a one seed, that's going to be a tough game. Those are going to be tough matchups. You're not going to get a chance to run away. You're going to play teams that aren't going to get down 10 to Kentucky and then fall down. You're going to play teams that keep fighting. So I'm cool if we play teams that keep fighting and we let them in it because it helps us close out games, helps us on our free throw shooting. Like I said, those are going to be important things come March. Johnny's using 18 minutes, 6 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist. Does not look impressive at all. I'm giving him a B plus. 0 for 3 from 3s. He's still struggling with them. But I felt he found his rhythm. He he put the ball on the floor twice and went to the basket. Head down, went to the basket. That's not, that's a, that's the confidence of a scorer. If he can be, I don't know if he can consistently be the sixth or seventh guy that Cal plays, but if he can work his way to that eighth guy, which looking like he's going to be, but 7.5 guy, come in, knock down some three-pointers, po- th- th- uh, three Got to work on his free throw shooting. And uh, hey, the man's not got the rhythm. I get it. But I felt like he made some good effort plays. That one assist. Nah, that was quickly that through the. Uh, I thought, I, I'm thinking of his one assist, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe I, I think he threw a head too quickly, but quickly got it to the basket. Uh, I'm trying to recall if he had what he had there. But yeah, Johnny Juzang, I love seeing that development. I love seeing that growth. I love seeing him continue to be a better player because I do think he's the type of kid that will come back for his sophomore year. And I think next year he could be this year's quickly. But I want to see it this year because you start knocking down some threes, you get him this guy who can come out and shoot two for threes. I think he's got it in him. I think he's got a a March run where he shoots 60%. I think he's got a game in the Sweet 16 where he goes four for five. I think it's coming. Keon Brooks continuing his growth. 16 minutes, 8 points, 5 rebounds. Going to give the kid an A. Handing out A's here. Continuing to grow. Making athletic plays. Not letting his head, you know, could have gotten discouraged. He got a little playing time due to some foul trouble versus Louisville. Missed the putback game-winning shot. Didn't get the glory that game. Keeps grinding. Keeps playing. He came in, didn't know where he was going to play. He he played most of his life at the four, at the power forward. Cal kind of considered him a small forward. Cal wanted to play the the, the stereotypical lineup where you put uh, point guard Hagens. You had quickie quickly. You had uh, you know him at the three or Whitney at the three, and then you had Montgomery and Richards. But he's kind of finding a rhythm. Cal's kind of going this. This more college lineup that you look around and you see some college teams trying, three guards, a three you know three guards two forward lineup, no true center. Cal's kind of going that, but he does have a true center, Nick Richards, which like I said, I think will be a big game difference. So giving him an A, Sestina, I'm gonna give him, I gotta give him a C just for just for not being there. And I'm not even really thinking that's his fault. Hear me out. Sestina is a grown man. Sestina is a fifth-year senior. I'm not sure on his age. 
but I don't know how much development his overall game has. Now, can he improve on technique? Can he improve on shooting? Sure. Absolutely. You can always improve on that. Like, guys in the NBA are always improving. But when it comes to just his pure athleticism, his pure beast mode, his pure God-given talent, I would imagine he's peaked. I imagine that, you know, whatever whatever reason he had to go to Bucknell, and then when he was at Bucknell, he developed, and now he's here polishing up. The only downside to that is you got guys around him who are coming in to their physical greatness. You got, you know, Keon Brooks, who could be a great college player, maybe even a great pro, you know, especially once his athleticism's catching up, his, his, he's starting to get it. Once those shots, he's got a nice mid-range shot. Once those start falling, I think he could be a, a great type of player, a, a great college player. You know, you got Johnny Juzang. I know he doesn't play that position, but the way Cal shovel, shuffles it around, that's somebody's getting minutes taken away from him. EJ Montgomery finally finding his own little way. I just think I'm afraid. You know, I like Sistine. I think he can come in, but I don't. He's gonna. I think he's gonna have to start making the most out of six or seven minutes, maybe eight minutes. And if he can give us three, three, two, three, three pointers and a couple rebounds, I mean, he gave us two points and two rebounds. I'm good with the rebounds. I'm. I. I don't think he did anything wrong. I just think there's only so many minutes in a game. There's only so many spots on the floor. And there's only one basketball. And as guys start to come in on their own. And look, I don't think this is the end for Sestina. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great kid. I think Juzang's going to struggle one game. Juzang's going to become a, a defensive liability occasionally. And Kyle can't play him. Keon Brooks might get a little lazy. EJ Montgomery might resort back. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't want this to be a long-term thing, but these these happen. These are still kids. You know, these things happen. Inconsistency is a part of life. So I think Sestina's still going to get his shots. I just think this is kind of, you know, if, if Sestina was a junior, you, you this is the kind of kid I think you see looking elsewhere. But, you know, he's a, this is his NBA type career. You know, he doesn't have an NBA. So him coming from Bucknell to Kentucky is like making that jump to the big leagues. So I think he's getting all he can out of it. Um, like the kid, just think the minutes start dwindling. And then he had uh, Whitney, three minutes, one point. I'm not giving up on him, but I don't know. I, I don't get a say in that clearly. And I don't know if that's because he's just he's just trailing. And now he's kind of behind the eight ball. He's lost his, I don't remember if he started the night or not, but you know, he's lost a lot of the confidence he had. He lost to what leash he did have. I, I, now that I recall, he did not start. And then he didn't, you know, he obviously was in once for that three-minute spurt. And he scored one point. Could have been two. I thought he had a nice little dunk there, but he got fouled and went one for one. Or one for two. One point. And even if he has a great game next week or, or Saturday when we go to Texas, te- yeah, Texas Tech, if everyone else is balling too, naturally he's he's going to have to have a great game when everyone else is struggling. That's how you get back in. And I don't say he's in he's in the doghouse. I don't think anything like that. He's just not playing to the level everybody else is. 
So if you if you want to get back into the the graces of the rotation, Texas Tech will be a good time. Somebody struggling, Montgomery getting you know say it's Montgomery. You know Texas Tech's a very physical team. So maybe somebody's getting beat up at the wing or at the power forward position. Whitney comes in, makes a difference. I don't know. I like to see something from the kid. I want to see Cal play nine guys, but the I we you know it's been his thing. He he dwindles it down to seven. The announcer said it today. He's starting to tighten that rotation down to seven. So we'll see. To recap some of the grades, if I can remember everything I handed out, Richard got an A. Montgomery got an A plus 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 plus. Quickly got a B. Hagen's uh, A plus. Maxi B. Juzang A. Brooks A. Sestina and Whitney with C's. Almost if you go back to kindergarten grading, giving them an incomplete just because we didn't get to see much from either of them, because there's a big drop-off. I mean, you look at the minutes. Like I said, Richards, 36, Montgomery, 19, Quickly, 36, Hagen's, 35, Maxie, 31, Juzang, 18, Brooks, 16, and then it drops down substantially to Cecina with six and Whitney with three. So, that rotation's getting hard to crack, but I'm loving what I'm seeing from the guys that are producing. I'm really loving what I'm seeing from all nine, nine guys Probably eight minus Whitney. I just can't. He just hasn't given us that yet. Hope he keeps his head up. But we won the game 79 89 to 79. Kentucky moves on. I want to say, I think we're. What's the record now? We are now 14 and 4. Season's halfway over. Man, it's gone quick. But we're going to take a quick commercial break on Bleeding Blue. On the other side, might talk a little football going to take a temperature of the team kind of get a feel for the rest of the schedule we'll be back after this welcome back to bleeding blue we are here on segment three of the show where we're going to take the temperature of the team we're going to look at the basketball team. We're going to look at the remaining schedule. I'm going to try to predict everything down to the rest of our entire season. Records. And this this is going to change. This might even change. I don't know if I'm going to do this daily. I think it might be a little difficult doing it daily because there's not games. But after every game, I think maybe once, once a week, twice a week, just going to try to check, you know, temperature of the team. How do I think the, the rest of the games are going to play out? How do I think March is going to play out? And what I think each individual player does. Just kind of what I like to do, and this is what we're going to do here. So we're going to start. We're currently sitting at 14-4, and four, with four losses being to Evansville at home. That one was rough. Utah and Ohio State and Vegas, and then South Carolina just a couple days ago. We got a win. We were back-to-back wins at Arkansas, and we're home today, home last night, versus Georgia. So I'm looking at the schedule. Right now, Saturday, we start with Texas A&M, or Texas Tech. I'm actually going to be a little pessimistic on that one, and I just think they're on the road, ruckus environment, tough team. I think that's a loss. Then we get Vanderbilt at home, win. Auburn on the road, I think we've kind of have been having this thing where we let the teams we don't really show up for beat us. And then when we show up, get a win, I think we show up at Auburn. I think we get a win versus Auburn, which would move us. I want to say that would move us to 15 and 14 and 5, 15, 16 and 5. Mississippi State at home and Tennessee on the road. 
I think both those were wins. Vanderbilt on the road hosting Ole Miss. I think those were two wins. I could see us losing at LSU, beating Florida at home, and then losing at Texas A&M before beating Auburn at home and Tennessee at home, and then finishing the regular season as a loss at Florida. That's right now. The only reason I see those four losses being losses, I see Texas Tech being just a very rough place to go play. They're they're going to be well coached. They're going to be a gritty team. Not really. You're going to have to play just sound all around basketball because everyone on that team is going to be. LSU scares me on the road, and I could see LSU losing a couple of games leading up to our our game and us just overlooking them. It just kind of happens. We got some losses. We got a couple losses at LSU at Baton Rouge over the last couple of years. I could just, I just see that happening. I see them beating us this year. They're a tough team. Texas A&M. I don't even know what they have. I don't know what that team looks like. But going into College Station just seems like it's going to be a pain in the butt this year. And then I, I expect Florida to get. I expect Florida or Tennessee, one of those two, to get us. So I'm picking those four just because I think that's what my gut goes with. I do think as it sits right now, we do have about four more losses ahead of us. I do think Texas A&M could be one of them. So I do think, okay, Texas A&M and Auburn, that's going to be one. I do think LSU is one. I'm going to say at Florida or at Tennessee being one. And then there's going to be one that you're just like, what just happened? It might be a rup. It might be Texas A&M. I'm looking at the road games. I don't see it being at Vanderbilt. So I'm going to say one of the games at Rupp or Texas A&M. Now, it could be any game at Rupp. It could be Florida. It could be Tennessee. It could be uh, who else? Auburn, Mississippi State. It could be any of those. So one game at Rupp because you don't really expect to lose with Cal at Rupp or the loss of College Station. So that would put us 23 and 8 be the record. I think we win the SEC championship game. I don't think we win it outright. Especially if everything I say comes true, that gives four SEC losses. I think we're a two seed. I see us playing Georgia. I see us playing Tennessee. I see us playing Florida win the SEC. We get a four seed in the tournament. Probably go out west. And then, I think right now, at least a Final Four, maybe even a National Championship. There's a part of me that wants to say National Championship, but even if I'm being honest, I think this is at least a Final Four team. This has the feel of a Final Four team. This has a feel that 2011. It has a feel that 2014. You just see it on the horizon. This actually pulls a lot for me to that 2011 team. Because you look at that 2011 team, we lost quite a bit of games in the SEC on the road, but only one of them was by more than three points, and that was the first SEC conference game versus Georgia. I just, I think we're going to get a four seed. I could see us playing a, a small school in the first round. Uh, maybe not even playing the five seed. Maybe somebody getting upset. Maybe playing. Uh, I think one of the brackets I've seen had is Oregon. That seems realistic. Maybe even Louisville. They seem to enjoy doing that. I could see the one seed probably being 
Gonzaga, Baylor. Two seeds definitely going to be Duke. Whether or not, I don't think they'll make it though. I don't think it'll be Duke. I think it'll be Michigan. I think it'll be a there'll be a team there, and that's what scares me. This seems like the team that this is where I, I compare it to eleven and fourteen. This seems like the type of team that we would play like a Louisville in the second round. We would play Kansas in the Sweet Sixteen. We would play Duke in the Elite Eight. We would play the likes of Baylor. You know, a top team in the Final Four. And then in the championship game, you'd get a Kansas State. You'd get a, a Houston. You know, I, I don't know, just a team that you don't anticipate. And then you mess around and lose. And that becomes infuriating. And you get it because you kind of outperformed yourself. Like that 2014 team, we beat undefeated Wichita State. We beat Louisville, defending national champions. We beat Michigan. We beat Wisconsin. And then we get to, I want to say, the seventh seed, UConn. And we lose it. So, that's kind of what I... Right now, I could see us finishing... I'm going to... I'm feeling good because of the Georgia win. So, I say we go 32-8. and SEC champions. National champions. With a win over Kansas. Now, I, I take that back because if Kansas... Kansas getting that bra, I don't know what their team's going to look like. Kentucky versus Gonzaga, national champion in Atlanta. Kentucky wins. Hangs number nine. Looking at the roster, Hagens is gone. Maxie's gone. Whitney returns. Montgomery goes, goes pro. Richard goes pro. Quickly goes pro. Quickly goes pro. Juzang returns. Brooks returns. Sestina graduates. Allen, I, I use him in there just to make it an easy, even 10. He returns. That's kind of the fill of the team. I don't know what next year's team will look like because I'm sure Cal will recruit and replace some things. But that's kind of what I'm feeling the team's going to look like. That's kind of how I feel like that's going to go. Um... So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I would love if that happened. And if we won the title, look, that's Cal's second in 11 years. Uh, they all could go. Juzang could go wherever he wanted to go. The the walk-on, the Riley kid, which I mean, he might actually graduate. But they can go wherever they want. I just, you know, I believe in Cal. I just think for paper's sake, for fan's sake, for just a little bit to to murmur, to hush the murmurs, Cal gets that second ring. If Cal gets that second ring, I don't think there's much you can say. And then who knows what happens from there. Uh, looking at, that's kind of it for the basketball talk. That's, that's kind of it as we wrap up the show. Looking, though, at our football team. Man, I'm getting excited about our football team. I try not to talk about football season. Put it on the back burner, but recruiting, I think we're up to 15th. Highest we've ever been this late in the season, or recruiting season as that is. We're looking stacked. Now, I will say this. The number, this I've been pointed out before, and I'll continue, I'll echo it, I'll echo the, the likes of uh, Matt Jones and KSR and all the recruiting gurus for Kentucky. The numbers don't make sense. They're not going to. 
you recruit 22 guys and you only have 19 roster spots, guys get booted. Recruiting great and winning games don't prevent guys from leaving. I think our fan base needs to know that. It does not keep guys from leaving. What it does is just make sure that when somebody leaves, just like one of those coolers in the uh, gas station, when you take one drink, another one slides down. That's what it does. Look at the likes. Georgia loses recruits. Bama loses recruits. Oklahoma loses recruits. Everybody loses recruits. Kentucky, we're going to recruit guys, and we're going to lose guys. Somebody's probably going to leave in our running back. A quarterback's probably going to leave, especially depending on how Bo Allen and Joey Gatewood does. You know, you can't expect the Nick Stauska kid and, and, and Gilmore. You can't expect all those kids just to sit around. So we're going to lose guys. Don't be hard on them when it happens. Just know that great recruiting and strong recruiting and, and great seasons and strong seasons just allow you to keep recruiting great. But, all right, guys. That's it. It's a late night. This is this is going to go out tomorrow's show on January 22nd. Kentucky gets a win. Always great to say. But it's your host. I'm out. Matthew Lyle. Thanks for tuning in. Bleeding Blue. Check us out again tomorrow.